The following program is sponsored by Lindis Construction. This is the WCCO Home Improvement Show, brought to you by Lindis Construction. One call, one contractor. Lindis Construction provides Minnesota and Wisconsin with the best products and workmanship. They provide leaf guard gutters, asphalt roofing, metal roofing, season guard replacement windows, exterior siding, remodeling, new construction, and more. If you've got questions, they've got answers this hour. Here's Denny Law and Andy Lindis. Andy's not here today, but guess who is? Barry Strands is back with us. We're glad to have Barry, in, as we always are. Because this guy knows his stuff. <laughs> yeah, I That's love you, I mean. man. I no, want to carry true. you around wherever I go and just have you kind of bleed in front of me and go, oh, this guy behind me knows his stuff. I love that. I'll do Thank it. you. I'll, I'll intro you no matter where. Yeah, you're when you're, when you're you know, looking at the designing a new, not designing, but you're, uh, well, tell folks what you do for Kyle Hunt. Well, I'm a site supervisor, and site supervisors have the responsibility of managing the schedule and managing the job site performance. That's got to be a little stressful because things don't always fall in place. Well, right? it, oh, Danny, there are days where you just think, uh, man, someone else should be doing this, not, not me. <laughs> I had a much easier life. I was teaching classes back in 2003, 2004, and I could make enough money to pay for my bills and work seven or eight months out of the course of the year. And and now it's you know 50 hours a week typically, and you're always trying to catch up. It's a great job. I've never been so challenged in all my life. I thought when I hit my 60s, it'll be kind of downhill. Instead, I feel like this has been the <laughs> most exciting, challenging, wonderful decade of my life. It's, I'm learning so Isn't much every great? day. It's a great thing. I, I was always afraid of getting old. And now I'm like, dang, yes, my body is aging, but my brain and my heart have just grown. And I feel like I just I have more enthusiasm for each day and what I'll learn that day. Uh, it's just wonderful. I love it. Kind of lucky, so, aren't we? Fortunate, sir. Yes. Yeah. And we need to be grateful. This yeah. is a good season for gratitude, too, by the way. Well, it certainly is. And uh, we, I want to talk, I was going to ask you about uh, 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 some tools. I was going to ask Julie a previous hour about uh, gift giving, you know, this time of year yes. for somebody who's either a beginning gardener or whatever. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But you, you and I were just briefly touching sure. on, on your latest project at your house. What's up? Oh, okay. So here's, here's what I've been dreaming. I have a house that was built in 1905, and it's a Victorian, uh, late Victorian era home that had mostly been stripped of all of its fun architectural detail. And of course, being a wood guy, I'm like, well, let's put that all back in. Oh, And so I did a new addition on the back room, and it's got these raised panel cabinets and arched raised panel detail. And I did it on my router in the shop in my basement, which, you know, it's not what you'd like. But a lot of DIY guys understand what I'm talking about. So the project was to do a wainscot in my dining room as well, but mostly it's just been boring painted walls. And I installed the three windows, double hungs, and I recessed them so there would be some depth or dimension like sure. the old houses have, like little window seats. Oh, yeah. And it's just been sitting there with waiting for me to get kind of a game plan together. So about, I don't know, a month ago, I kind of decided that it's slow enough at work for the Christmas holiday season. Maybe I can put this thing together in my evenings and weekends and have it ready for Christmas, kind of like my Christmas present to my wife. <laughs> but you have to finish something for it to be a real present. <laughs> so so right now, it's not done, but I'm so close, and it looks really so. So I have salvaged lumber off of job sites. Mm. So that means that stuff comes out that people think, well, this is going to go in a dumpster. So the last job we did, the homeowners wanted to have all of the woodwork enameled. Well, oak has a heavy grain and it doesn't enamel very well. 
unless you fill all the grain, and that's a huge extra step. So most people say, well, we'll take that out and we'll put poplar in or maybe a a maple, a paint-grade wood, and we'll enamel that because it doesn't have the same wood grain. You don't see it. And it'll, it'll paint up and look absolutely flat, and it's beautiful stuff. So they did that. Well, there were some pieces in this Minnetonka home that were wide I mean, 13-inch glued-up pieces of red oak Mm. that were all being thrown in the dumpster. Wow. Okay, so I have issues with that. I I believe everything should have a purpose even, and and a repurpose if it has value, which is a horrible thing. If you look in my basement, I've got wood everywhere. (laughs) Someday, I will not live long enough to finish the projects I I have assembled lumber for. But this wide stock, some pieces are 14 feet long. So I'm I'm going well. All right, I can make stuff from this. Oh, I, sure. So I've created these raised panels that wrap around the inset of my little window seats. These are only three feet wide, and and they're about seven feet tall. So I've done these raised panels, and I've done fluted casings, and then on the wainscot, it's also been these raised panels. But I've had some issues with what are the final details going to be putting things together. So. Uh, even yesterday, I'm kind of going, well, here's my idea, and I'm having to bring my wife in, and she can't quite visualize my verbal description. <laughs> I need to actually do the assembly so that she can say yay or nay, and finally, I got enough done that uh, she could look at that, and we got an approval on the design. Oh, good. Thumbs up. So, yeah. So, when I leave here, I'm going to go to one of the big box stores and buy a couple more pieces of what I need, and uh, then I'll bring you pictures next time I see Oh, you. good. Do that. I, I, I Would you consider yourself a perfectionist? Uh, in in this kind of work, well, I used to be, and then then my wife's word to me was, "Honey, I love you, but <laughs> done is better than perfect." Ah, and it, it, I think that's a good word, don't you? Yeah, it's like when I was obsessing because my dad was a great woodworker, and the problem I had was I was really seeking his a- approval and affirmation, and I didn't realize. But it's like I want my dad to walk in here and be wowed, and he would walk in and just nod his head. Huh? Okay. And I'm like, well, forget that. <laughs> no good. There's no positive There's no coming from there. The so there, meanwhile, why don't I get something done? So, uh, but for me, it's been the challenge of trying to balance 11 children and a life outside of work and work, especially a job as demanding as this one. I try to guess. put those, all things on the platter. So, but anyway, it's, it's a good life. I have no complaints. Just busy and full. I was in Home Depot yesterday. Yeah. And I go to the big box stores, all of them. I don't care what they are. Home sure. And I'm watching people shop. What did you see? Well, it's fascinating because um, I, I, without being, how, I want to say this the right way on radio, but so let's say you're not a, a home improvement DIY person, right. but you're in relationship with someone who is. Okay. And you want to buy something for that person, but you don't really know that world, so you don't really know what to get them. So I saw a lot of people standing around looking at stuff. And I thought, well, I wonder if we could give some helpful tips for people. It's a good idea. This time you know, of year. Yeah. If you're looking for your DIY person who doesn't, and you don't want to get them, and you want to kind of do something that's in their world, you know, where, where would you go and what would you, what would you buy? And I'm thinking, well, I'm a DIY guy. What would I like to get? And I know if anyone in my household was listening, I would love to have another battery for my Makita drill. <laughs> and, know, it would be a great gift. They're like Absolutely. 60 bucks, but I'd still love to have one. So my kids would have to go together on something like that. But it is one of the kind of things that most of us who are busy, we don't stop and get stuff that we need. And I'd say to people who are experienced woodworkers, 
or to those who are in relationship with right. experienced woodworkers, the stuff that an experienced woodworker wants but wouldn't buy themselves because it would feel like an indulgence, that's a perfect Christmas present. You know, it was easy for me when you think about, like, oh, gee, my wife or my husband, it's hard to buy for. Yeah. Uh, when my wife was and still does some woodworking here and there, uh, I always said, this is great. One year I bought her a router. Yep. One year I bought her a compound miter saw. Oh, yes. Well, and, and just this yeah, uh, a drill. I, I, I should have married someone like you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's, that's a, what a wonderful thing. But you, you, you're in the business. Everybody's be, scared to buy me stuff. I'd be buying you tools every day. I, they'd be scared. They're scared like crazy. Like, well, dad's already got that. You know, yeah. honey, you, I, I wouldn't that's know true. what that, one I'm sure they're a little intimidated. I told that. them any router bit's good. Any, I don't care what it is. Any router bit is yeah. good. I'd love that. As yeah, opposed absolutely. to what? I mean, you can buy a router bit for $9, for goodness sakes. I'd much rather have a router bit than a tie. I'm with you. I, you know, I just don't know where I was. Yeah. I'm going to use the tie. I will, you know, at a funeral or something or yeah. a wedding or something. But so there are, and I never have enough drill bits and I never I have enough drill that. driving tips. Yeah. Now they come in packages and a lot of the big box places have them on an end cap or a display that are discounted for the holidays because they do make great gifts and they are even great stocking stuffers. I agree. So if you've got some dream of giving somebody this big item, you know, but you know they're into tools or they would like them, get them a fresh set of drill driver tips. Because they break wonderful. and they always they, disappear. Yes. And then you're always like, well, where's my number two Phillips? That's I need right. one of these. That's right. I tell you what, let's do this. I know we have to take a break, but Jerry in St. Paul is on the horn with a question. Jerry, uh, thanks for waiting. Uh, go ahead with your question. Yes, sir. Uh, Barry, I just have one quick question for you. Do you know what year it became code for new construction whereby the basement walls had to be waterproofed? Well, the waterproofing versus damp-proofing rule in code changed. And in 2000, we said that it was a requirement for damp-proofing unless you were in a Group 3 soil. Then you had to waterproof. So, Jerry, the rule was specific to the soil type. And then when the code came in, it's the 2012 International Residential Code adopted in 2015 – and all foundations had to be waterproofed as uh, as of 2015. There were no exceptions. So waterproofing is now the standard for code, regardless of the soil type you're building in. I can just hear some uh, newer listeners saying, how does this guy, Barry, know that? Well, you that's one of, yeah, one yeah, of the I hats you wear. Yeah, yeah, it is a hat I wear. I'm sorry. It's just, it's like, I, I want to get into code stuff. It's like, does that one thing, is that boring people? You know, but yeah, it's part of the world. There I are people that need to know When I teach yeah. and our teaching season is coming up. In fact, we thought that the 2018 IRC was going to get passed by, or, or uh, when I say ignored by Department of Labor. Instead, they've decided to adopt. So mm. 2020 will be, is what we expect that we'll be getting the new 2018 code. So I teach for a company called Professional Education Resources, proedresource.com. And I will be doing my spring season starting in January, and I'll teach nine classes. And those classes are going to cover the coming code changes. Oh. So for guys who are in the business who need to get their license hours, uh, just please look us up. You know, or you can just Google Barry Strands, and my website comes up, and it's a direct link to my teaching. Oh, it is. To oh, the so teaching I just do. So barrystrands.com, and, and you'll get right to it. You know, we'll mention that before you leave today, sorry. too. Yeah. Let's do that. I know we have to take a break. Uh, let's open up the phone lines again and the text line. If you have any kind of a home improvement question uh, for Barry, 651-989-9226. Uh, or if it's easier, send a text, 81807. We'll uh, have more show. Home Improvement. 
Thanks to our friends at Lindus Construction. Barry filling in for Andy today. That's uh, L-I-N-D-U-S, lindusconstruction.com. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Home Improvement Show, presented every week in this hour by our friends at Lindus Construction. Andy's taking another day off. I bet he's probably coaching hockey today. It's just a guess on my part. But our friend uh, Barry Strands is uh, back with us, helping you out with any kind of a home improvement question. You want to try and stump this guy? Call us or text us. You know, I often thought we should play a game called Stump the Contractor. Yeah. And th- that would be fun because I can be stumped. I just don't want to admit it. But, but <laughs> Maybe you know, today's the day. Exactly. You know, there's a lot of stuff I've learned by screwing up. That's, uh, the, that's, that's the how truth. you learn, right? That is because then you have to go research what the right yeah. way was. <laughs> 651-989-9226. That's the phone number uh, or send a text 81807. Uh, let's go back to the phones, Barry. Uh, Mike in Minneapolis has been uh, waiting there. Mike, what's your question for Barry? Uh, good morning, Barry. Um, question is relating to putting drain tile in. The, I have a full basement. The home is built in the 50s. Got block foundation. Um, yeah. And I have an issue on the south side of the house that I probably could just uh, give it a proper um, slope. Um, occasionally, there might be a little bit of moisture um, down in that basement. So I know it could be costly, but I don't know if that would be a uh, a most efficient, effective way, what would your recommendations be? And do you know of any, anybody out there that could do that job in a, in a good manner? Sure. Okay. A couple of things. Number one, when you say there's a little bit of moisture, are you talking about dampness? Or are you talking about liquid water ponding on the floor? Yep. Actually, a little bit of uh, water. Okay. Actually. That's great. A tread, yeah. And I do have gutters, uh, but that Shh. south side of the house um, it's a gable, so there's sure. no gutters on right. that side. Right. Yep. Well, the reason I ask is because it would, it would number one, in the 50s home, to d- exterior drain tile is going to be really expensive. And normally people won't spend the money because the house isn't worth it. So they go look at interior drain tile, but then you've got to get to a sump basket some, someplace. And typically a block foundation in the 50s didn't have drain tile installed, which means you've got to cut the perimeter up and then drop a sump basket in and collect. Now, you tap the cores of the concrete block foundation with garden hose, weep tubes are called, and then you could drain the water out of the block. But I still think that in a circumstance like yours, the most cost-effective solution would be to come to the perimeter on that south side, excavate uh, maybe two feet in a trench, maybe a foot or so away from the house wall. Again, make sure you check with Gopher State, make sure you haven't got power coming in, and then run a landscape poly, a 10 mil, not the kind of home improvement black or clear plastic, but a heavy-duty landscape, non-perforated plastic, down and away from the foundation wall. That will direct that water that wants to run right alongside that foundation away from the house. And in many cases, where the further down you go, the more efficient and effective it is. But in the 50s home, before I spent, you know, four grand doing a breaking up of the interior floor and putting in a interior drain tile assembly, I would spend a hundred bucks and a long Saturday digging a trench. Hmm. I just think it's, I think it's a much more cost-effective solution and it's worth a try. Now, if you don't want to do the digging then find some, well, I used to say find some junior high age guys or some high school age guys to dig and pay them money. But even that, most of them are too busy playing their game. At least my kids are playing their games. Like, I'm not working for 15 bucks an hour to dig a trench. Are you serious? So hopefully you have people that you can leverage a little bit. Like, you want to eat? Dig. I think, too, uh, that Mike and uh, Barry, that if I can add something that, that Lindis would uh, and Fandy would hear, he'd say that. And the sponsor yes. of the show is Jesse Treble. Jesse Treble. And I somebody. Treble's fantastic. Yeah. And it, if you want a free reference, then... Call Andy. Uh, Mike, uh, just go to safebasements.com. Sure. 
And that's the that's the locale we'll take it from there because good we hear good things about Jesse. Well, I had Jesse in class. You did, yeah. So I didn't know who he was. So I'm out in the West Edge teaching in class out there, and uh, we're chatting about some code stuff. And then another guy who knew him comes up after we're done talking. He says, "Do you know who you just got done talking to?" <laughs> I said, "No," and I'd never heard of him at that point. So then he was like, "Oh, he's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> he knows now, his stuff. Yeah, yes, he's brilliant." All right, I tell you what, Barry, we have another half hour of the show to go, so don't go away. Joe, you're going to be first up here on the phone. Uh, there's a line open if you want to call Barry with your question. Eight, uh, 81807 is the text number if you prefer that, or call 651-989-9226. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Home Improvement Show presented every week by our friends at Lindus Construction, L-I-N-D-U-S. If you want to get a bid on, uh, right, Barry, roofing, siding, whatever yeah. the case may and be. And anything now. They've moved gutters. into remodel, even some new homes. So, And, and this is a family-run company that Still really holds to the kind of values of let's take care of our people. Yeah. You know, I, that's why I, they hang around. They're, 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 they're folks that work for Lindis. Yep. Some of them have been around for 20, 30 yeah. years. More. Yeah, yeah. 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 This is a fan. It's a great success story. Yeah, yeah it really is. Uh, 1-800-LEAFGUARD. If you want to get a hold of those good folks, uh, if you want to call Barry and we're joking about stumping Barry, we're not going to force that issue, but uh, <laughs> six five one nine. I can be stumped. I know that. Nine eight nine nine two two. I try to make up an answer that sounds really good. Well, let's see what Joe in Minneapolis has up his sleeve here to to help you out in that. Morning, department. Joe. Hi, Joe. Hey, gentlemen, how are you doing? Uh, you know what? I'm going to try and stump the contract. All right. Oh, well, great. Thanks. All right. I've got an 1885 house with balloon construction, and I did a ground up restoration. It's got foam insulating. Insulation in the walls and the crawl space down below, and then the second floor ceiling. And I went to extremes to vent the attic through the eaves and ridge venting and all that. The question I have is I have hot spots on the roof. On a day like this, where you have frost on the roof, you can definitely see hot spots on valleys and corners where the house meets the roof. Now, it's yeah, it, what happens is uh, in those hot spots, it uh, melts and kind of, uh, I get icicles and, sure. and so forth. It's my guess that the heat travels up the two-by-fours in this balloon construction house, and the heat travels all the way up the two-by-fours, and wherever you have a corner or an inside corner with the valleys or the outside the heat travels right up the two by fours and is emitted uh, right to that corner or outside corner of the house on the outside. Yep. What's your guess? Well, you're talking about a phenomenon called thermal bridging. This is a well-established building science mm. uh, f- phenomenon where, in fact, the thermal resistance of a piece of softwood is about 1.2 per inch of thickness. Now, if you run spray foam and it's six and a half R per inch of thickness, then clearly the lumber framing is the weak link in the assembly. So you're absolutely right. And you, you didn't, you, you, you knew the answer. So I think that you could be on the show. Well, I tell you what, to take it further, if I'm going to stump you, how do I fix the problem? Well, what you have to do is separate the framing member. When I did my vault on my 1905, I ran my two-by-four rafters, and then I insulated that space, then did a piece of foil-faced foam, then under-framed with a two-by-six, and then insulated that space. So there'll be a thermal break between my framing members. 
And it's a fascinating idea, and I'd read about it on a building science website, but when you have direct con- connectivity between the framing member and the roof sheathing, you're not going to stop thermal bridging from taking place because you can't get to a face of that to solve the problem. There will always be a difference of the transfer of heat energy through a piece of wood mm. than, excuse me, than through the insulation adjacent to it. So there's no way to stop that from happening um, unless you would pull the roof off and actually put a skin over the surface of your roof sheathing and then reinstall. So sometimes people put two inches of rigid extruded polystyrene over the top of that, then new OSB, and then right new, lay the new roof. But a small amount of thermal bridging shouldn't be an issue. The biggest concern is what happens at those valleys where you end up with that ice melting, reforming, and ice dams occurring. And that's mm-hmm. been the bane of the existence. You get down as close as you can to the seat cut of that rafter member over the outside wall, but you can't stop that direct connection. Wow. All right, Joe. <laughs> Sorry, Denny's head spinning no, over head here. My head is spinning here. Joe, I hope that helps. Good luck, Joe. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks very much. <laughs> Six, five, so when, one. when you talk about hot spots, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking we're seeing like round pots of right. air, That's which what I thought, typically yeah. is what happens above a ceiling fan in a bathroom where fan housing boxes or recessed light can boxes aren't insulated very carefully. So directly above those locations, we'll oftentimes see hot spots, which are basically meltdown snow melts right. on the roof, and you can tell they telegraph. So an inch of snow on a roof and a temperature of, you know, let's say uh, 28 degrees, just watch what happens and you'll see whatever the roof is warmed up by the losses of heat from side, inside the home, they will telegraph to the snow melt patterns on the roof. That's what I thought I was going to deal with, but he's just dealing with thermal bridging. All right. Normal. Very good. Thank you, Joe. Tom in Forest Lake is calling with a question, I think. Oh, go ahead, Tom. Okay, uh, I've been listening about the uh, wet basement problems that you you guys have been talking about. Sure, <clears throat> and I've had that for forty five years, and but I, I found a solution that really works terrific. Sure. Uh, back in the seventies, I tore up the perimeter in my basement, put in drain tile, the tubes in the block, all that stuff into a sump pump basket. Yep. But then, as but like two two or three summers ago, we had forty inches of rain because I tracked that every year. Yeah. And that old block from years ago was more porous than today's block. Yep. And so I was just sweating water onto the floor. So I was maybe mopping up a half a bucket of water a day in the corners. Okay, but then I found the solution. Clean that area and buy this flex seal that you see on TV and give it two coats. It solved the problem, and that, that's been that way for three years. It's an easy homeowner thing. Sure. The stuff is unbelievable. Hmm. So you, I just, and I only came up two and a half blocks because the, the water table's high, so you're always going to have a water problem no matter what you do. But the Flex Seal really works great. And so I did the perimeter of the wall way around, and it's never leaked a drop since. Wonderful. Right. That's a good tip. Interesting. Yeah, thank you. Well, yeah. I thought about uh, talking about pressure-injected um, bentonite clay, which is another technique that's done on the exterior. It doesn't disturb the landscaping, but it gets kind of costly. So there's, there are things that can be done to alleviate water intrusion problems. I, th- I think anything that you do on the inside is – I feel it's like it's suspect – if the problem is water pressure on the ex- on outside, outside, which is where I always want to try to solve it, to solve it where it starts, not exactly. try to catch it on the other side. But I've never used Flex Seal. I don't have a reference. So thanks, Tom, for the call. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Appreciate that. Uh, we were talking earlier, if you're just joining us, about uh, gift giving and tools. And even with a, a pro like yourself, you can always use like 
uh, drill bits and things. I can. Yeah. I can. And, and, and everybody's afraid. Well, you've got 10 of those. Yeah, well, I, I can't find them. They're not sharp. I don't know that they're not sharp. They're yes. in a bin someplace. Put them in a nice little case where, you know, I can find them. Or so, driver bits, things please. like that. Yeah. That's, those are good gifts. Absolutely. Uh, but somebody did, along those lines, somebody mentioned earlier that a gift card for that store that they yes. like is also a great idea. Yeah, and then if you're going to give a gift card, you got to at least give it with chocolate. Oh, I see. There needs to be. There are so, rules I'm sorry. Yeah, there ought to be a gift card. Just by itself, boring. <laughs> so you got to spice it up a little right. bit with something cheap. There's a hint for Barry's kids. <laughs> My kids right. don't listen to me. They're like, Dad, you're just an idiot. Somebody sent a text. You you mentioned earlier too uh, that you know you're also a teacher, um, among other things. And some and you mentioned your website. Somebody said uh, looking at Barry's LinkedIn photo. He has a tie on. Yeah. Is that unusual? Uh, for, for well, you? it depends. If I'm teaching nationally, I, tr- I, I wear ties. So if I'm doing a GRI class or something state convention, then I wear a tie. If I'm teaching contractors in Minnesota, no. I don't, no. No, I don't wear a tie. Can't, another, by the way, if you want to send Barry a text, uh, that form is easier for you. 81807 or call Barry here at CCO at uh, 651-989-9226. Uh, another text, Barry. Can anything be done to restore marble tops that have etch marks on them? The question is kind of where the etching is the question. I wish I had a picture of it. But I have used a product, and the problem is I can't remember. I think it's Grazzini, but I can't remember for sure if that's the right brand. It is from the marble Italian marble company where they fabricate in Italy, and they have a poultice product comes in a little jar you mix it with water you put it on the stained area and then you put a piece of plastic over the top and then that acts like a a wick to take discoloration out of marble once you've done that like if you have a wine spill or something like that yeah then the 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 marble surface can be buffed and recoated with an impregnator which basically is a sealer coat designed to get into the stone surface itself so yes the question is etching it especially along grain within the marble the, the fissures or the veins of the marble. I don't know for sure what kind of ultimate impact you're going to get from yeah. that, but to, you can certainly polish it. And there are companies that do that. Most of the stone installation companies also either do polishing or they will give you a link to the people that they use because it okay. comes up all the time. And holiday season, for crying out loud, I talked to one guy in class and he says, I polished marble floors in entryways. And he said, from about the 1st of November until the 1st of January, I could franchise. He said, I have almost no work for the other 10 months Isn't out of the something? year. But for the holiday the season, to buff those floors and to coat them. And, you know, yeah, you can bring those back to the full, beautiful luster of the original. What if the texture could also Google this Italian marble yeah, restoration? Yeah, and, and I wish, I, you know, I've got the little thing sitting on the shelf at the office at work, <laughs> but I don't have it memorized for what it is because I kept it after I had to use it for it's, We had a water stain on a piece of Carrera that we just installed. And it worked. And it worked. It was fabulous. Wow. It's an idea. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, I know we have to take a break here soon, but Matt in Delwood is uh, calling in. Matt, what is your question for Barry? Hey, Barry. Um, so I am wrapping my house in rigid insulation. I have a mid-century modern. The inside of the house is tongue and groove, Filipino mahogany. So I don't necessarily want to take off that to uh, try to re-insulate. Yeah. So I'm wrapping my house in a one-inch tongue and groove rigid and then the, from DuPont. And then the, the technique is to put Tyvek over the top of that. Yep. My question is, is can I run the rigid insulation right up to the window 
the technique calls for a nail flange. Yeah. But what would prevent me from running it up and just putting a nail flange on the top of it? Um, what's your siding finish? Uh, it's going to be, so that's yet to be determined, but we're looking at doing a, like a tongue and groove cedar or a, uh, or an LP, you know, three by eight sheets, you know, four by eight, three eighths inch deep and do a board and batten. Yeah. I, I think Dow's got it figured out. I think I would stay with that separation. That polystyrene doesn't have much creep to it, but okay. I, I just, I think that there's wisdom in holding it back. I, it seems like there's the, 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 the biggest leak point is going to be between, it's obviously between the stud and that gap between the window. Right. So I was thinking if I ran the rigid over there, now I'm ensuring that I've got a solid, even further solid insulation or that much more insulation with the spray foam. So are you, you're leaving the existing windows or you're not installing new windows, are you? The windows are all out. The, so I did a triple pane. Okay. Oh, so you're putting new in. New's in. Okay. And then I'm, new's already in. And so my goal was I've got room if I buffered the windows sure. and, yeah. and spaced it out and made the frame a little bit, you know, deeper, of course, so that it it was it would bypass the window, which wouldn't affect right. operation. I, there's buildingscience.com has a fabulous uh, cross-section cutaway. And I think fine home building ended up using that when you put one inch rigid up against the window. And that's the picture that's coming to my mind, but I can't communicate it as well as I'd like to over the air. But that'd be the source I would go to and look at because I just was on – I was just watching the one-inch foam installation video Thursday afternoon this week because we're trying to gear up to the new coming code because coming code is going to have that requirement for all new houses, mm. an R5 sheathing over the existing surface of the house. So builders are going to have to figure out how they're going to do those details. And the window foam interface for water control is the critical detail. And the goal is obviously to shingle flash in such a way that all the water moves to the exterior over the foam below the window. And that's why if we haven't flashed the window installation correctly, you are really quite right in being concerned about a leak in that location. All right. Good luck, Matt. We have to uh, take a quick break here. We have other callers on the line. Stay there. We have textures, too. We'll pick up on your questions as well. Fog and mist still reported here in the Twin Cities. Our CCO temperature reading 24. And welcome back to our home improvement show here on CCO. Denny Long here. Andy's taking the day off uh, today, but Barry Strands is back with us helping you out by phone and by text. Uh, let's see. We have uh, folks waiting in the line and textures too, uh, Barry. So let's uh, get to it. Let's see right. who's been waiting. Uh, Rick is calling from uh, Alec, I believe. Rick, you're on the CCO with Barry. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I've got some cultured stone on my home that was built two years ago. Uh, there's efflorescence starting to occur on it. I've had the builder and the sub out to look at it, and uh, they both feel that water is getting behind that cultured stone somehow. Yeah. Um, and it's causing that efflorescence to occur. So I've got uh, the, the concern I've got has to do with whether or not that block. There's a concrete block uh, sitting on concrete footings on the front of that porch where the where the sure. cultured stone is. Yep. And I'm wondering, there's a lot of possibility of water uh, coming up against that those footings. Sure. Uh, I've got a large, maybe 1,500 square foot of uh, permeable pavers that come within probably 10 feet of that porch. Yep. And so I'm, I'm, th- I'm just the question has to do with a couple things. How do you remove efflorescence? Yep. And the other is how do you uh, is there a possibility of that water wicking up uh, through those uh, through that concrete? Sure, sure, sure. And the block. 
Let me try to take you this direction. Do you know what your soil type is in underneath that foundation? Is it a clay? Is it sand? Is it a gravel mixture? Any idea? We've got good gravel. Okay. If it's a good gravel base, then it's highly unlikely that you're getting wicking. Now, concrete block can wick over 100 feet vertically. Poured concrete will, work, will wick about 12 feet vertically from a wet footing. So presuming that you've got a gravel soil base, your drainage is not the issue. My, my guess is, and again, it's all it is, is that there's no flashing between the cap of that stone and, and other siding materials. Does that stone go all the way up to the roof, Eve? Uh, no, it does it's, not. It stops it, it midway in the wall. It's only a couple feet up to, to the porch. Sure, We've got yeah. other other cultured stone that's not wicking at all, and that, that of course, has got a, a water an adult water barrier, water resistance sure. barrier. <clears throat> it's but not. this does not. Right. Yeah. The, and, you know, the, the installation of stone is a really important detail, what we're putting it over, how we're attaching it, and then how we're flashing the top of the stone where we transition to different materials. And to me, that's where normally we see a breakdown. Now, is it possible that it's wicking? Yes. The, there could be wicking coming from underneath and the concrete block is absorbing water and moving it up in, into the wall. But that stone should have been installed with a space between the wall assembly and the stone ad, uh, adhere. If it was done that way, there should be a break and there shouldn't be efflorescence being caused by wicking. It would be caused by bulk water getting back behind the flash. Mm. All right. Uh, did that help you, Rick? Good. Thank you. Yeah, Thanks. well, I'm, yeah, I wish I could do more. If I could see it, I could be more useful. But yeah. It's tough uh, on the radio sometimes. Some, yeah, he's like, oh, send me pictures. I could, I could do a lot more help to you. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, somebody wants to know, what is the uh, texter, what's the difference in construction between a three- and a four-season porch? Well, that's a good question. Uh, Three-season porches are not designed to be lived in year-round. We talk about three seasons because we're going to live in them spring, summer, and fall. We didn't supply a heating system nor the insulation required mm. for that to be a completely enclosed year-round living space. That's the real difference. So to go to a four-season porch, we're talking about a heating supply system, and we're talking about the kind of insulation, sorry, a little frog in my throat, the kind of insulation that would meet new construction codes. So if you go to a, a sunroom that's not full year-round, you can insulate to like 19 and be fine. If you're going to go to a year-round living space, your, your roof has to be 50 or 49. Uh, all right. Uh, Nona, I think, is going to be our last caller calling from uh, Brooklyn Center today. Go ahead, Nona. Hi. Um, I was told we'd like to replace that, you know, those plastic surround things that you have in a bathroom tub enclosure like to take that out and put ceramic tile up. However, we've been told that you have to rip the sheetrock out and put in the treated sheetrock, but yet I'm seeing at the stores this pink foamy stuff to put on that you can put the um, ceramic tile over then to make it waterproof. Is that correct, or do we have to rip out the sheetrock? Well, it dep- you're talking to different contractors who are trying to explain that a code rule changed about 10 years ago that says you can't use a drywall material behind a, a, a tile or stone in a tub sh- or shower surround. So today in a new construction, we would always we would be applying a concrete-based product to adhere that to. There are topical coatings that can go over what's back there that are waterproofing agents like RedGuard, and that can be installed over a surface, but that's only a condition that's allowed in renovations. It would not be allowed in new construction. Does that make sense, sort of? 
So some things you can do in existing homes that you couldn't do if it was a new home. Okay, this is an existing home. Correct. Yeah. So, that's so you could coat that surface and then apply field tile by code and be legal. Oh, okay. I, I just wouldn't. Oh. I personally, if it was me, I don't see any problem taking drywall out. That's a very simple process. It just you you know, break it up, throw it in some trash bags, remove the screws, and I would spend the money then to come back in and put in a um, cementious based backer material. I just think for the long term approach, yeah. that's your best option because you don't have any risk there. And I, if you're going to live in the home for a long time, I would say do it right, not do it cheap. Absolutely, makes sense. Yeah. Thanks, Nona. Uh, I think we have time for one text before we have to take our leave today. If I can, oh, here, we're talking about tools. What kind of a tool can I use to cut some boards off my deck but cut through the nails or screws as well? Well, if, Do reciprocating saws do that? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, in fact, there's a, there's a study of Fine Home Building Magazine, one of my favorite magazines in the world, um, because they do tool reviews. Mm. And they actually get into the kind of the blades that work. And oh, yeah. Bosch makes a blade for demolition that's been the highest ranked blade year after year after year. It's a Bosch demo blade. Uh-huh. So it, it's, a, it's an option. And today you have reciprocating saws, little tiny ones, yeah. like the yeah. fine brand, but uh, Rockler, Rockwell makes one. And you can get a cutoff saw that will take care of the metal. Another Christmas gift idea. Hey, it's a good one. <laughs> All right. Barry, it's great to see you again. Uh, my pleasure. Merry Danny. Christmas to you and, and your family. To, and too. to you. Yeah. Yeah. I hope to see you soon here. Barry filling in for uh, Andy Lindis today.